0: So you want to work in sports, well on this episode we're going to chat about it. Friday to you. My name is Connor Collins and welcome to the Concast podcast where we discuss all things health, wellness, and injuries in an attempt to better understand the human body. This is episode 106 and for today's episode to be honest I had a hard time coming up with a topic sometimes after you know 100 plus episodes there are weeks or times that go by where creatively uh, it's really tough to come up with something new that you haven't really talked about but in talking with a colleague, this was definitely a, a great idea for an episode in terms of if you have the question of, I want to work in sports or athletics or work with athletes, how do I do that? What are some things that I need? What are some misconceptions about working in the sporting realm? So I thought this would be a pretty cool topic to try and unpack a little bit and give my perspective and my advice on anybody that's Either a newer therapist, chiropractic, physical therapy, massage therapy, or even a seasoned therapist that wants to transition from a particular niche market or special interest that they're working in more towards the athletic population, whether that be high-end amateur athletics or professional athletics. Just give my two cents on what I think has worked for me and the benefits and the cons of working within this population. I think before, and I've talked about this on other podcasts, before we talk about the pros and cons, you want to try and understand why is it that you want to get into this in the first place. And a lot of the times that happens when we're in school or we're just about to graduate, we start to think about, okay, what are some of the populations that I would like to work with? And sports and professional sports and athletics is always one that is in the conversation for a lot of people certainly not everybody but for a lot of people and this might be because the individuals let's say former athlete they had the dream of becoming a professional athlete didn't quite make it maybe their career ended because of a, a quite a substantial injury themselves they like to treat the active population or they're not really sure why but someone has pointed them in the direction of working with athletes and so this gets them thinking about okay I want to work in a professional sports setting or with professional athletes at some point and they've decided this and it's important then once you've made that decision I've talked about this on other podcasts to try and come up with an examination process as to do you really want to do what you've decided that you want to do and and this is really hard and sometimes we decide one thing and we get into it and we don't necessarily enjoy it as much and that's okay as well so the first thing is recognizing that sometimes we think we want to work in a particular field professional athletes for example or professional sports teams and then we start our career and we realize oh we don't actually like working with with athletes and I've talked to a number of different therapists and students that have done that and that's perfectly fine weighing out the pros and cons I think is beneficial and asking yourself hard questions and when I've talked about on other episodes regarding business, business development, kind of projecting the light your life forward a little bit, which is sometimes hard to do, particularly if you're young, as to what your your goals are. Do you want a family? Do you want to be able to travel? Do you want flexibility in your scheduling? Do you like working weekends? Do you like working evenings? Do you like working long days? What type of money do you want to make in your career? These are all questions that You might want to ask yourself when you're going into any field and athletics and professional sports is no different than that. There are obviously some general pros and general cons to to sports and working with pro teams or working with professional athletes. And a lot of what are in the pros uh, column is also in the cons column. It's just a matter of the type of person that you are and what you want out of your life. So the pros are that it's fulfilling. There's no doubt that it's fulfilling, but is it any more fulfilling than any of the other work or populations that we treat? I think if you're passionate about treating a particular group or special interest or the general public or just people in general, you're not necessarily going to get a more fulfilling career out of treating in the professional sporting realm than you would anywhere else. Some of the other pros is it's incredibly challenging. But again, is it more challenging than working in pregnancy? Is it more challenging than working in general practice? Is it more challenging than working in oncology? Each particular special interest or subset of the population that you treat has its own nuances, has its own intricacies, and professional sports and professional athletes are no different than that. They're just kind of specific to that area. So while it is challenging, In my opinion, everything in practice is challenging. And so, is this more challenging? Not really. The one thing that might be a little bit more prominent is sometimes these are high-pressure situations. And we'll talk a little bit more about that and unpack that as today's episode goes on. But either pressure from teams, pressure from athletes, pressure from parents that are overseeing young athletes, which is often a little bit challenging to try and navigate, I would say that in my experience, there seems to be a little bit more pressure. Sometimes this might just be internal pressure by the therapists themselves. You know, this person's got their career on the line. I really need to understand this injury well and deal with it appropriately. Next is one of the pros, travel. If you love to travel, see different places. You can travel internationally. You can travel domestically with the team a lot of the time. This is spent in hotel rooms, so maybe recognizing that, but can you prolong a trip? This can be a pro of working in professional athletics. The other thing is money. For a lot of people, earning money is important. I would say that when you're first getting into this field, money is probably not going to be as high as in other areas of practice, particularly just general practice. You can make substantially more money early on than you would in professional athletics, but you can get to a point where you are making a living in working with professional athletes or professional sports teams. Some of the cons, travel. You might not like to travel, and if you don't like to travel, then that's gonna be a con for you. Long hours, and this is really something to recognize. All of my colleagues and friends that still work in professional sports, understand that they are working from the time they get on the bus to the time they return from the trip and so your days are very very long there can be warm-ups in the morning where you're prepping athletes for warm-up or pre-game skate in the context of hockey you'll then go back to the hotel room you'll treat all day and then get ready for games and then post-game you're treating knocks that they've taken in the games or if athletes uh, need treatment So a game day, for example, can be like a full 16-hour day. A lot of this time is spent, again, in hotel rooms, and that can be a downside. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people that are considering working in professional sports don't necessarily understand that your game days are really, really long days. And when you're traveling to, let's say, it's events or big games, Olympics, Pan Ams, etc., those days can even be longer One of the other cons that I see is expectations. Expectations of, again, parents, coaches, teams, athletes themselves. Expectations can be really, really high. That can loop back to putting a lot of pressure on you and you might not necessarily enjoy this. And then as well, pay. In the early stages of your career, you might not be making the money that you want. If you're consulting for sports teams outside of working for them in general, sometimes it can take a very, very long time to get paid depending upon the team that you're dealing with, the level at which they are competing. There have been plenty of times over the course of my career where I've had bills outstanding for well over a year that have been substantial amounts of money. And so understanding that there might be a delay in getting paid, how does that work with your budgeting? How does that work with your lifestyle? There are also times that you might just not get paid at all. And you might have been promised to be paid and then not paid. And so this can be a con of working with professional sports teams. After you've kind of weighed out the pros and cons, one of the great things to do is look at, okay, athletes play in a variety of settings and you can work in a variety of settings. You can be a full-time field therapist, so you can work with a team. And travel with a team and be an employee of the team and work with all those teams athletes in close conjunction some people really really want that and enjoy that setting you can have a clinical practice where you consult for teams and I would say this is probably more where my practice is at now where a local player that's maybe come back from their professional team for the summer needs a therapist to work with over the summer and you are that therapist then you can kind of discussions back and forth with the team's medical staff or you can do both you can work in the clinical practice work with a team part-time and or travel to games and different opportunities so for example the olympics or pan am games or regional summer games and have a mix and uh, the benefits of both worlds so i would say right now i did a lot more field work in the early stages of my career. And I don't do field work anymore, mainly because I don't really find that it's for me. I don't have as big a passion for it. And I'm not certainly downplaying it at all. I think it's great. But I think there are therapists that are maybe more passionate about field work than clinical work. So I like the clinical work more and the kind of consulting work a little bit more. And that's worked well for me. All of these different structures of clinical practice have unique opportunities that will present themselves. And again, that's a really individual thing to consider in that the opportunities that are presented to you, I might not necessarily see as as beneficial, whereas some opportunities that are presented to me, I might be, you know, really, really enthusiastic about those. And so those are really personal preferences. But understanding after you make your pros and cons list about what you want in your life, again, pay, travel, future, you can then look at, okay, well, what do I really want to do in terms of my the structure of this? Do I want to work in field sports, clinical consulting, or a mix of both and go and, and work at some games as well? Now, one of the other questions that comes up a lot is what certifications do I need to work with a team? Now, the short answer to this is you don't really need Outside of your your college certification, chiropractic, physical therapy, massage therapy, athletic therapy, etc., you don't need a specific certification. So you don't need to be a sport physio, sport chiro, sport massage therapist, for example, to work with a team. You don't need them. There might be some benefit in taking some of these certifications because they talk about some of the things that are beneficial to working with athletes and we'll touch on that in a moment now is there upside to getting certification through one of these sport bodies now there might be depending upon again what your goals are many of these bodies have direct relationships with teams and games for example, the International University Games might go to the sport bodies and say, look, we need two physical therapists, two chiros, and two massage therapists for the games. Who do you have within your pool of registered therapists? And so it might get you to your end goal a little bit more quickly. But do you need it? The short answer is no, you don't. Now, if the short answer is no, what would you do well in having If you want to work with athletes, particularly in an on-field setting, what are some things that I think might be of benefit for you to get? I think probably the first thing is to upgrade your standard first aid to something like a first responder or emergency medical responder. And this, again, depends on on where you're located within the world. But what this does, these courses focus a little bit more on the the in-field Emergency medicine. And some of these are general first responder courses, and some of them are tailored towards working with sports teams. So it might talk about things like equipment removal in emergency medical situations. It talks a lot about spinal boards and how to work with a team and putting someone on a spinal board. It talks about a little bit more in depth processes for things like bracing, substantial injuries. You're able to administer things like oxygen, for example, when needed and when you have it readily accessible to you. So there are a few more things that you can do, as well as it just gives you a little bit more tools and experience in working with some of these scenarios that you might see in the professional in-field setting that you might need to do. And if you have your standard first aid and CPR, you might not necessarily have the tools to navigate these very co- the very common language of emergency medicine that you would learn in a first responder course. So that might be my first suggestion, something that you would do well in having. The second might be a taping and a bracing course. Again, it's sport dependent, but if you're going to be working in something like football, you know that the majority of players are getting their ankles and wrists taped. And so if you don't have a working knowledge of this, number 1, it's going to be you're going to be very very slow. At doing this you're going to get very very frustrated the players aren't going to receive great tape jobs and they're going to get frustrated at you And then that's going to affect your working relationship with the team so i think just taping embracing as well as that again lends itself well to the emergency medicine piece dealing with cuts taping up cuts cleaning out cuts you just get a little bit more baseline knowledge of it so then when it comes to practice you're ready to do it you've done this before Obviously, once you've laid a foundation for how to tape a wrist or how to tape an ankle, you're going to make it your own as well as halfway through the season after you've taped an ankle, say 200 times, you're going to become substantially more proficient at it. So if you never taped or braced before, expect that there will be a bit of a learning curve and the more people that you tape and the more people that you brace and the more scenarios that you see, the better you'll get at it. So that's number two. Number three is, I think that you would do well in having some sort of working knowledge of how to manage head injuries, particularly in contact sports, some type of concussion course or working knowledge of, again, how to do some quick uh, in-field assessment, particularly if you're not working with a tiered medical staff within your team. So for example, if you're going to be the only therapist that's responsible for the athlete's well-being field side, this is what you will see at typically lower tier sports that don't have the budget. So you're not going to have a team doctor, EMS or paramedics aren't going to be field side. You are the one that's responsible. I think it would be good to have a working knowledge of how to screen for concussions in a medical emergency. This isn't necessarily taught a lot in first responder, so it might be an additional thing that you want to look into. A lot of the sport certifications that are out there teach a lot of this stuff, and or you need them as part of your certification process. So you will get this in going about these certifications, but you can also get these certifications outside of these sport organizations. One of the benefits to doing this is you can pick and choose what courses you want to take and the people that you want to learn from. That can be great for some people and some people just like the structure of I just want to do this program and have everything in a a neat package for me and come out the other side. I'm not suggesting that one way is better than the other. The one thing that I do want to reiterate is you don't necessarily need to go through these sports certification bodies to work with a team. Other things um, that might be, you know, serve you well in having some working knowledge of sports psychology, just very, very base level. And we'll talk about why that might be important in, in, a, in a little bit. And then a mentor as well. And I think mentorship, someone that can give you experience that you can work under, especially in that on-field work, looking at just planning pre-game, how to navigate a team during a game. A lot of the logistics and organizational concepts that, again, is a, a lot of the time learned through experience, not necessarily learned by taking a course, is really, really important. Then ask yourself... Once you found a mentor, you're going to be looking for a mentor. What can you provide them in return? Can you take something off of their plate? Can you treat some of the pregame athletes that would lighten their load? Can you get the emergency equipment and kits ready and bring them to the field and do the field walk pregame so they don't necessarily have to do that? Can you locate all the exits and create some of that emergency action plan that's so common in sports? What is it that you can do? Because I'm sure there's something that you can provide your mentor that will then encourage them to take you on because they will want to provide mentorship to somebody that's really, really eager, but not only eager, can give them something in return and help them along the way. Other things that you can find in mentorship is online mentorship. You can find resources on online readings. For example, subscribing to and or looking up British Journal of Sports Medicine, for example, journals that are more dedicated towards sport injuries so you can learn. These days, there are plenty of online memberships that you can join, whether it be a website, whether it be a program or a course, where you can learn from, and this is what's great about the internet, you can learn from people that 20 years ago, you would have to attend a conference and pay. Many of these therapists that are treating in, in high-level athletics can now offer you programs and experience and advice through online memberships and mentorships. So that might be something to look into. And then locally providing, particularly if you want to look at the consulting thing and work more clinically than field, networks, sports medicine doctors, orthopedic surgeons, people that you know are going to be working with this population. Reach out to them. Let them know that you're interested. As well as you can pursue it through the lens of look, I treat or have a special interest in treating a lot of volleyball players, for example. I've noticed that there are a lot of shoulder injuries that I need to be assessed. Can I refer to you? And then by reaching out to them, they then know that, look, if I have a post-surgical case, maybe I can refer back to you for the rehab. So developing these local networks, letting people know that, yeah, this is something that I'm interested in, passionate about. I love working with this subset of athletes or I work with this team then allows people to, in their conversation, say, oh, I was speaking to so-and-so, and they work in this in this field, and they'd be happy to manage your athlete. So the question that that I also get quite a bit is about experience. You know, I want to work with a sports team. I don't have any experience. How do I get experience? The first thing that you have to recognize, and this is what someone told me when I was coming up and I think is a a great little thing to remember is everyone has to treat their first professional athlete. It's not like you skip the line and all of a sudden you've, you've treated five, five athletes and you've got that experience. Everyone needs to start somewhere. And often what can happen is you might be treating somebody that's, let's say young, they're 14 years old, for example, and you've been treating them for a couple of years and they've been playing their sport, and then all of a sudden they're getting a lot of looks from professional organizations or schools, and now they've sort of become a professional athlete, but you've been there along the way, and now you're treating, quote-unquote, a professional athlete. So also remember that professional athletes are just people like everybody else, and there's not necessarily anything special about them, but everyone has to treat their first professional athlete. So you want to start small. You want to work your way up. You don't want to have unrealistic expectations. Some unrealistic expectations might be something like, I want to work for a professional organization within three months of graduating. Remember that this world of professional sports, particularly if you want to work in a team, is just as competitive as the athletes that are trying to make the team. It is competitive and it takes time and Once people have made it to the top of their respective sports, whether it be hockey, soccer, football, they enjoy being there and they recognize that it's taken them a long time, a lot of effort and a lot of heartache to get there. And so for me to then expect, oh, look, I'm going to work for a team within three months of graduating, it's just not realistic. Now, that's a professional sports team. Might I be able to work for a local regional team just after graduation, offer my services for free. That's certainly something that can happen. I can then network and I can build some experience in leaning off of all those things that I've talked about previously. Expect to do a lot of work for free for sports teams, especially when you're building experience or you're under a mentor, understanding that the payment that you're getting is the mentorship and the learning process. And if you're not necessarily willing to do that, I would argue that you might have a hard time in getting where you want to go. The other thing is, along with working for free, expect to work a lot of really long hours for free. Again, gaining experience and understanding that you really want to have an understanding that what the the education that you're getting and the experience that you're getting from navigating the, the world of working with sports teams is what you're being paid and not necessarily looking for monetary compensation. Now, this isn't always the case. Certainly there are scenarios where you're getting both. You're getting mentorship, you're getting payment and experience, and those are great. It's just if you get into one of these scenarios where that is not the case, understand that there is definitely upside to the experience that you're getting. One of the other questions that I will often get is, Are there things that are unique to working with sports teams or professional athletes? And I think that, you know, there are things that, that again, having a a reasonable understanding of how things work are beneficial, but do I think that a, a person that happens to be a professional athlete is any different than a person? No. There are some unique considerations. Things like, first, athletic identity, So the longer that a person has been a professional athlete, the more that they identify with that and understanding that if they have a long-term injury, for example, uh, an ACL injury or an injury where they're going to be out for a long time or it's a career-ending injury, then that is going to have quite a few psychological ramifications to it. And having a sports psychologist within your network would serve you well. The other thing is that having a working knowledge of general rehab guidelines for common injuries unique to your sport might be something to consider. So for example, if you're working in football and just having a a unique understanding of how ACL injuries work, particular timelines of recovery, and then further to that, how to navigate kind of post-surgical cases. If somebody's just had surgery, how long is that going to take? What is my role within the rehab and whether or not it's just me that's going to be performing the rehab or I'm going to be part of a multidisciplinary team. Further to that, some of the unique considerations might be things like parents, is this a young athlete? How do I navigate relationships between myself and the parents? Parent and athlete, parent and coach. These often, the more individuals that are involved, the more layers and more complex things can get. So looping back to the first point, how to listen to an athlete about their journey. Many athletes post-surgery do go through these periods of depression, a little bit of anxiety. If you've been treating or managing an athlete for a long period of time throughout their, their entire career, let's say when you first started treating them, they were 18 and now they're in their 30s and they're approaching retirement or they're borderline retirement or it's a medical retirement, they've had a major injury and been forced to retire. How does that... And how are they framing that? And what is your potential role there? Because a lot of the time they end up, you you know, if you've been managing somebody for over a decade, you know them well, and they are going to look for some guidance to you. Now, some of this might just be general conversation, comfort, and some of this might be stuff that's outside of our scope of practice, and we might have to refer to our network. But just understanding I think for me, the, the athletic identity, which isn't necessarily a unique consideration of people because all people have psychological implications of the injuries that they have, but just maybe understanding what that means for them and having a working knowledge of sports psychology might help with that. Lastly, is are there unrealistic expectations of recovery coming out of an injury? Is this a career-ending injury and the athlete really wants to continue do you think or feel as though their safety might be at risk because they're ignoring advice of the medical team and how to navigate that? And so that is certainly not an exhaustive list, but those are some of the unique considerations in working with athletes at the, at the end of the day. Really what it comes down to is, is, again, trying to come up with first a decision on why you want to do this, seeking out some of the, or investigating some of the certifications that I mentioned, and then gaining your experience and mentorship. Always in the back of your head, considering some of these unique considerations that are specific to sports that might help you navigate the world. Also remember that you can change your mind. This is something that you might get into and then make a decision that you don't enjoy it. And that doesn't mean that you failed, it just means that it's part of your career. And there are many iterations of your career that you might go through. The other thing to remember is that you can work in some parts of sports and not others. So clinical versus field work. Uh, Again, when I first started my career, I worked much more in field work, and then I realized that it wasn't as enjoyable for me. So I've transitioned more to clinical work. The odd time, I'll still go back to the field, uh, but most of my passion is in helping athletes in the clinic. Athletic injuries are no different than any other injury. So an ACL injury on a person that doesn't play sports is the same as an ACL injury on a professional athlete. However, there might be some, again, unique demands and recovery and unique things to consider in dealing with an athlete versus a non-athlete. There are elements of working with professional athletes that might make things easier. For example, it's their primary job to get better. They might have sound nutrition, they might be in a good health profile, they might have a whole team of people that are helping manage their stressors. And then there might be elements that make it harder. For example, some of the things that I alluded to earlier about sports psychology. But at the end of the day, professional athletes are people, and outside of these unique considerations, they can be treated like every other person that you would see in your clinic. So if you are looking to transition to working in professional sports teams or you're a new student looking at getting into the sporting realm, I hope that you found this episode to be a value to you. My question for you this week is have you worked in professional sports for a long time? What are some of the challenges that you faced in the development of your career? I'd love to know in the comments below. As always, folks, I hope that you found this episode to be a value to you. Have yourselves a great day and we will see you in the next one.